Philippians chapter number 4, page 1261. Twelve hundred and sixty-one. Amen. Chapter 4, verse number 10. If you got your place there, let's stand together. Amen. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now even at last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here is the text verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We want to look at the last and the fourth one on this ideal of going viral. We said going viral is when a verse or a thought goes uh, just wide open on the internet and people get hundreds and thousands of hits. It's, it's mentioned that it's went viral. Well, there was four verses in the Word of God that you could say went viral and this is a the number one verse uh, that went viral. Amen? So, let's pray. And I want with this thought, genuine satisfaction. Genuine satisfaction. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Uh, uh, Ronnie, how about you praying? Amen? Yes. Amen. You be seated. By way of review, we looked at the fourth one from Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We looked at the idea of genuine success. Then the third one we looked at was in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13. And the Bible says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And uh, we said that third one was a genuine solution for temptation. Then the second one was found in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We look at this ideal of genuine strength. Tonight we will look at the fourth, the first one. We went four, three, two. Then we're in the fourth one tonight, our last one tonight. And that is genuine satisfaction. Uh, 
probably no other verse has been written on keychains and t-shirts and coffee mugs and cell phone cases. And uh, it is one of the most popular verses in the, uh, the hundreds and thousands in the Bible. It's the most popular verse in the Word of God. And what's so shocking is why it is so popular could very be because of it is the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, misapplied verse in all the Bible. I said the reason why it may be because is the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, misapplied verse in all the Bible. And the reason it is so popular because at first glance, it seems like it's a perfect verse for name it and claim it. In fact, one well-known pastor wrote this in the conclusion of this verse. Most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings, but Scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. That is right. He said that it is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It's possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb to new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will take place. You may not have the plan, but all you have to know is that if God said it, you can, you can. And that sounds good. And that sounds well. But what do you tell the saint that's doing their dead level best and none of that's happening? What do, you, what, do you, what do you say to that individual that they're loving God, serving God, faithful to God, but yet that ain't happening? Bible says, however, in this verse that we'll look at is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Here's, I think, is the problem and the obstacle that keeps it from being misapplied and misinterpreted. Anytime we take a verse in the Word of God and center it all by itself, we'll do it injustice. What we've got to do is realize, first of all, the context where God put that verse. Understand, God, when, he, when the Holy Ghost moved me in to write the Bible, He didn't say, well, I got this thought, I wonder where I'm going to stick it. I'll just stick it right here. No, no, no. Every, every, every scripture, every reference is in its place. Now, in the ideal of name it and claim it, using this verse, and they do, they said that there's nothing impossible. Well, that's not so. There are some things that are impossible. For example, it's impossible to dribble a football. It's impossible to get bubblegum out of your hair. 
It's impossible to, to barbecue pancakes. It's impossible to slam a revolving door. It's impossible to twirl a baton in a mobile home. And it's, and it's impossible to love gators if you're saved. Ideal is this. There are some things that are impossible. There are some things, now listen, that do become out of remedy. There's no remedy for them. So our text is not about that we name it and claim it in everything we want in life. If we just believe everything's possible, that's not exactly what that verse means. In fact... Philippians was written by a man by the name of Paul. Letter was written while he was in prison. And literally, literally, he had no idea. He was in a prison cell and had no idea how things was going to turn out. As a matter of fact, he didn't know where he would live through it. And so, and under his leadership, and this church grew rapidly and become a very great, uh, a healthy church. And in gratitude, the church would send him financial support and, and help. And as, when he starts his passage out, you notice he said, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at my last you'll care for me. I flourished again wherein you were also able, but you lacked opportunity. He said, Boy, I, I appreciate the help you've given me. And uh, you would now, but you, you just don't have opportunity to do so. This was a sweet charge, a, a sensitive charge to Paul's needs. And, uh, but when he's writing this letter, he's in a house arrest in Rome. And, uh, so when we, when we look at this verse, we need to understand where's the context that God put this verse. And here's the context. Verse 11 and 12. Now I, now, not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul had learned the secret to genuine satisfaction. And if we never... There's millions of people, millions of people who are under tremendous bondage of debt because they've never learned the secret of genuine satisfaction. There are a lot of white-collar executives driving their Mercedes and BMWs, living in penthouses. And, but you can be sure of two things. They're not satisfied. They do not have a genuine satisfaction. Make sure we are discontent with what we have or we'll make sure we want more than we've got. Put plainly, genuine satisfaction is being happy with what you have and have what you have. What you, and want what you have. 
It is having what you want and want what you have. And them being equal. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 is not about the ability to succeed or soar higher or break through barriers or nothing about that. It is a source of real satisfaction is in Jesus. Who you are in Jesus. What you are in Jesus. Where you are, where you stand in Jesus. And you can always be satisfied. Here's what I want you to take home tonight. I should be totally satisfied when Jesus is most glorified in me. I should be satisfied, genuinely satisfied when God is glorified in me. First of all, let me give you these things and we'll be done. Contentment is a lesson you can learn. Contentment is a lesson you can learn. And oh my goodness, how a whole slew of God's youngins need to learn it. Oh, how they need to learn it. Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I have learned. Contentment is an acquired skill. We are all, every one of us, are born dissatisfied. Think about it. When a baby comes out of the womb, what's the first thing it does? Starts crying. They are totally happy and satisfied in their mother, and then all of a sudden, it's always dark, and they're, they're sleeping all the time, got all the food they want, then all of a sudden they're thrust into the world of bright lights and noise and racking, and guess what? They are not happy. And may I say this, a whole lot of people go through life just the same way. Just like the child, they're always up and down crying, dissatisfied with the things that God has given them. And Paul said we can learn. It's a, a contentment is a, is a learned, a learned, acquired skill. And one of the greatest things in your life that you can learn is learn to be satisfied. Genuinely satisfied. Amen. There was a very successful businessman who decided to take a break from the hustle and bustle of life and spend a few days in a monastery. As a monk took him to a simple cell that he had, and he had a simple bunk bed, a sink and no window, he said, I hope your stay is very blessed. If you need anything, let us know, and we will teach you how to live without it. I love that. I thought about putting that on sign. I hope your stay is very blessed. If you need anything, let us know, and we will teach you how to live without it. I don't know how many married couples, their home is miserable, they're miserable, they're unhappy, they can't be happy, all because they've never learned to be content. Satisfaction is simply a matter of perception. 
man named Will owned a farm in Minnesota. There's a knock on his door, and it was a surveyor. He said, sir, may I come in? I've got some bad news for you. The farmer said, oh, no, please no. man came in and said, now, I hate to tell you this, but I discovered that your farm actually isn't in Minnesota. It's actually in Wisconsin. The farmer jumped up and clapped his hand and shouted. And he just started running around. He was so happy. He said, praise God. I, I was just thinking I couldn't take another winter in Minnesota. Some of you, I'll explain that to you after service, Jessica. <laughs> we can learn to be satisfied in any situation. I can do all things, not everything. Do you know what I said? I can do all things, not everything, through Christ which strengthened me. If you don't learn how to be totally satisfied with where you are today, with what you have today, you'll never be satisfied when you get where you're going tomorrow. I've said this for 25 years, and I'm going to keep saying it. If you cannot be totally satisfied, genuinely satisfied in the job that you got now, you won't be satisfied in the next one. If you can't be satisfied, totally satisfied with the car you drive now, you won't be totally satisfied with the next one. If you can't be totally satisfied with the home God's given you, you will not be satisfied. And if you can't get totally satisfied with the mate that God's given you, you won't be satisfied if you get ten more. Contentment is an acquired skill. We learn it. This was written, this was actually written by a 14-year-old boy. He won an award in school by it. Now I want you to listen. Don't love our young, 14 years old, he wrote this. It's called Present Tense. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days, the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall. I wanted the colorful leaves, the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow, the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warm and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom, the respect, the bills. The bills, I'm hunting for an amen here. You know, I was a child, but I wanted adulthood. I wanted the freedom, the respect. I was 20, but I was 30. I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle aged, but I was 20. I wanted the youth, the free spirit. I was retired. But it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. That's where some of you are right now.
Some of you are sitting in that very place. No matter where you're at, it's something you want. And you think, if I get that, if I get the latest and greatest, if I get the next thing, if I get this right here, if I get that, boy, you young people, how much I hear, boy, I just tell you, I, I, I want to be 21. When you get 21, you don't want to be 30. When you get 30, you don't want to be 40. When you get 40, you want to be 50. When you get 50, I want to be 30. And when you get 60, it don't matter anymore. You would be surprised. That was the man who got dissatisfied with his farm. He wanted something bigger and better, so he decided to put it on the market. He turned it over to a real estate salesman, and the real estate salesman wrote up the description of the farm and said, Before you put this on the market, let me read this to you. He said, All right. Beautiful farm for sale. 250 acres of rolling hills, fertile valleys, quiet streams. The climate is excellent year-round. The land is fertile for crops. Beautiful two-story house, three barns in excellent conditions, situated in a great neighborhood. Reading it, reading it, the farmer said, Do you mind reading that back to me one more time? When he did, the farmer said, I've been looking for a place like that all my life. Take it off the market. Take it off the market. Contentment is a lesson you can learn. Number two, contentment is, is a life you can live. Contentment is a life you can live. I know both how to be abased. Paul said this, I would have abased been on the bottom. I know, he said, how to be on the bottom. I know how to abound. He said, I know when I've had more than enough. We were, when I worked at Acre Chair Company, we, we got paid once a month. And you know, some months has got five weeks in it. And boy, it's always funny that last fifth week, everybody would start brown bagging in. And you just look around the office. And I, I started funny one day on that fifth week because it, it, it was a fifth, it was a long month. I, at lunchtime, I'd look around. There'd be pork and beans and crackers and, and everything. Nobody was going out to eat and, because you know why? It, it was a long month. Oh, he said both. I know how to be abased. He said, I know how to bound. Can I put that in, in terms you might understand? He said, I know what it means to have a dollar in my pocket and know what it means to have a pocket full of money. He said, I've learned, I've been in both those places. What Paul's trying to tell you is, you're no exception. Hey, sir and ma'am, you're no exceptions. Why don't you quit making excuses and trying to justify your discontentment? Get honest with God tonight. Get honest with God tonight and tell God you want to live a life of contentment. Years ago, I, a pastor called me and my wife. We, we, we're hermits. You know, we, we don't, we don't, we don't socialize with very, very few people. And, uh, and, uh, the kids is all gone, so we kind of like it that way. Amen? But, uh, we're not antisocial. Nobody just never invites us. That's okay. Amen? We make our own party. That's, that's all we're talking about. I'm gonna shut up. And, uh, uh, we, we, uh, uh, Pastor Vice over, and he, he started whining and dining. And boy, he had a big old two-story home. He's beautiful, probably half a million dollar home. 
Boy, I, one day I, I'll never forget it. I walked back to the house and for the first time in my entire life, I was discontented with the place that God had given me. I remember walking out of the backyard and saying, Lord, what, what is wrong with me? You gave me that house. I've raised my youngins in that house. It's kept us warm in the winter. It's kept us out of the rain. And, and, and it's a comfortable home, darling. It's made a home. I, I love our house. God, what's wrong with me? Why am I discontented? You know why I was discontented? Because I started looking at what somebody else has. May I remind you, they may have that, but they got a heck of a tax bill every year. Somebody's got to keep that thing up. I read an article not too long ago. You know, uh, how they go in and redo these homes, home makeovers. How many's ever, you know what I'm talking about? They went in and, and redone this home makeover for this couple. And, and a couple of years they had to sell it because they couldn't pay the upkeep on the taxes and stuff. Because it, it put them way, uh, over what they was able. May I say this? What, well, well, what a wonderful place. Paul said, I know both I'd be a base and I'd abound everywhere in all things. He said, I've been instructed both to be full and to be hungry. He said, I know what it means to go hungry. By the way, our young people in our church don't know what hunger is, nor do we. We don't know. I'll tell you why. I say we don't know what hunger, hunger is. I say we don't know what hunger is because I, they say, well, I owe Sunday. Well, in the cabinet is some, is some, uh, uh, parking beans. Oh, I don't want that. There's some, there's some green beans and corn and potatoes. I don't, I don't want that. I, no, they're not hungry because if you ever get hungry, you will eat whatever you get. Paul said, I've been hungry, but he said, I've been full, both to abound and suffer need. Paul wasn't just talking a theory here. Paul, it's not a hypothesis to him, it's a fact. Paul lived a life of genuine satisfaction. Well, maybe Paul could. But he isn't going through what I'm going through now. Let me remind you. He spent much of his time in prison. Five times he was beaten with a whip. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned with rocks. Three times he was shipwrecked and in the, in the sea for, for a day in water. He was rejected and persecuted by the Jews. The Apostle Paul was often without food, friends, finances, freedom, or fellowship. Paul never owned a home, didn't have a car, had maybe two changes of clothes at the most, one pair of sandals, no degrees on the wall, no citations, pinned to his chest, no wife to comfort him when he was sad. Yet in every situation, whether he was sleeping on a silk sheet or a burlap sack, he was content with the life he lived. Someone has said, all of nature, there's a what's called a phenomenon called 
the adversity principle. The adversity principle is simply that difficult and hard times can be more beneficial to plants and animals than easy living. And, and the principle, biologists now tell us that it's, it's simply not healthy for a plant or an animal to go through life without facing any hardship or difficulty. Uh, and this is where they got their idea. If you go into a rainforest, you know that water's everywhere. And because of that, the trees don't have to extend their roots more than a few feet to get the water they need to live. But you take the same tree and go to a dry, desert, hard place, and they have to send their roots way down into the to, to find the water, sometimes as, as far as 50 feet just to get the water. And when the hurricane comes in the rainforest, it literally wipes everything out because it has no roots. But in a hard dryer, the same tornado come, uh, come through, and many times they can endure the storm. Paul's saying to you and me is this, you can learn to be content in any situation that you are. Contentment is a lesson you can learn. Contentment is a life you can live. And you know what? You know what? Some of you could get a smile on your face once in a while if you could learn to be content. Last of all, Contentment comes from the Lord you love. Philippians 4.13 Now here, the context of this verse is this. It's Paul saying, I've learned the lesson that contentment, I've learned to be content. He said, I've also learned this. Contentment is a life you can live, and you can live it too. Then he made this statement. Here's the statement he made. In the context of those two verses, Paul said, You know, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What he's saying, through Christ, with Christ, I can be genuinely satisfied in whatever the circumstance and the situation is in life. He said, through Christ, he said, I'm telling you. He said, I can be totally satisfied in any situation because I've got a Savior who will strengthen me in that situation. Now, you're doing one of two things. Every one of us are doing one of two things. And, and, and you ought to get this. You ought to get this. You're either living and working and doing in your own strength or you're doing it in His strength. One of the two. One of the two. Let me tell you a story. March, I had that stroke. And physically, it didn't affect me much. And made me my speech a little. And even now, my mind runs faster than my tongue can move. So we're working on that. Amen. And, uh, but one of the things, one of the things that it did, it really gave me brain fog. And I, that means 
boy, my thinking, I couldn't, I couldn't really think good. It's just to think was tough. And I had an appointment to, to preach down at uh, uh, Brother Steve Pope's church. And uh, I preached a message uh, on who's on the throne. But what nobody didn't know was this. I couldn't remember a thing of that message. I, I, I mean, it was, it was awful. And I, I got down there and, and I was thinking, what am I doing here? I, I'll not be preaching. But I bowed my head and said, God, I'm, I can do this if you will help me. And he did. Now, I told Brother Steve this, and it shocked me. I remember very little about that message I preached. Very little. But I can do all things through Christ. And in that service, I had to simply say, God, you're going to have to preach this sermon through me. And he did that. My, well, I, I was standing amazed. May I say, J- Jesus can strengthen anyone. Listen. The word strengthen is a medical term. It has the ideal of getting a blood transfusion. And it says this, when you, when you follow Jesus and you trust Jesus, you can, Jesus lived a life totally satisfied and when He strengthens you, here's the idea, when He strengthens you, He hooks you up and gives you His strength to do that. I'm trying to explain it to you best I can. It would be like when, when you recognize, well, I'm, I'm serving Jesus, I'm following Jesus, and, and I'm, now, I'm going to be satisfied, I'm content. God, God's not about, now, now listen, don't miss this. God is not about giving you what you want. God's not all about that. God's not in this naming claiming. It is about God saying, I can do all things. Why? Because when I need it in that situation, God's going to hook me up to Him, and through Him I can do all things. So you understand why that verse is so strange and so odd and so misinterpreted. You'll never be totally satisfied until your relationship with Jesus is more important than what is going on around you or what's happening to you. I'm going to tell you that again. You will never be totally satisfied with anything or anyone. That's the reason why some of you can't get, you, you, you can't get along with yourself. You ain't happy with yourself. I said this one Sunday school. Until you learn that God made you the way He made you, He made you to look the way you... He, I believe God made perfect men 5'7 and 190 pounds. 
All, all these people that's taller and, and everything, there's something wrong with them. I believe God made perfect people, five, seven, and 190 pounds. You know why? Because I'm going to be satisfied. If you can't get satisfied and generally satisfied with where you're at, you'll never be satisfied with nothing. But it goes back to something greater because you're not satisfied with Jesus. You get satisfied with Jesus, then you understand, He made me the way He made me, so I'm going to be satisfied with exactly the way He made me. Oh, my. I... Wish it was some way I could explain it better because I believe you're far better off having God than you're having gold. You're far better off having Christ than having cash. I said it before and I'll say it again. If you have nothing with, with Jesus, you have everything. But if you have everything in this world and you don't have Jesus, you don't have nothing. I said, if you have nothing, you've got Jesus, you've got everything. But if you've got everything, but you don't have Jesus, you don't have nothing. Amen. I wonder tonight. Let, let's just get, let's get good grace. Thank me here tonight, and, but, but you're here. So God, I had a message for you. I wonder tonight, can we get graveyard honest? We stand and bow our heads. I want you to ask yourself just one question. Am I content? Am I genuinely content? If you get content, it starts with a relationship with the Savior. 